Hi, thank you for listening to Fireside Church Messages. We hope this message can encourage you today. To learn more about our church, check out our website, firesidechurch.org. Right now, we can't meet like we normally do, but we still want to connect as a church. So we've been live streaming 10 a.m. on Sundays on Facebook, and we've been doing virtual gatherings through Zoom with our men, women, young adults, and this week, Fireside Tables. So stay in the loop and enjoy last week's message. Hey, welcome everybody. Um, we are so excited that you are able to join us online. My name is Andy and this is Kate and uh, we're the, we co-lead the Fireside Church. And we know this is not ideal doing this online on Facebook Live, but you know what? The church is not about a building. The church is a people. And so no matter where you are, we are gathered together and we are doing it because we are people who are all on mission for God. And I just want to give a shout out to Lil Pete. His hair is gone. If, if, you, if Pete's trademark is that he's got this wavy long hair and he has donated it to Locks of Love. And um, he's a, he, he was always a good looking man. And, and now he's still a good looking man. Um, but I want to uh, start off with, with prayer. And then we're going to jump into today's talk. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, what you're doing in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of what seems to be just so hard um, in the unknown. And Lord, we just thank you for this church. Thank you for the people all around the world who are worshiping right now, many through a virtual technology. And Lord, we just pray that your name will be glorified in the midst of all of this. And in your name we pray, amen. Um, before we get started, I just want to let you guys know, and if you go on our website, uh, firesidechurch.org, we have an online page. And on that, we have a kid's video and a devotional. But the kid's video is me and my three kids. Uh, actually, my four kids, because Drew makes an appearance on there. And it's an interactive video. It's going through Jesus calming the storm, which we're going to talk about today. There's a craft. There's a little game, there's a dance. So if you have a, a, a YouTube on your smart TV, you can watch it there. If they have a, a device, they can watch it on any of that. If you can do it now or you can do it later, it's just meant to be something to help you, um, help your kids, you know, have some normalcy in just such a not normal, you know, kind of life that we're all living. And I don't know about you, but you know, right now we are in our kitchen table. And the reason why we're, we're sitting here and not in a, in a better place is because we have direct vision to our, our basement door where our kids are stashed right now. We had thrown snacks and, and a movie pretty much for this hour, whatever they wanted, they got. And so we can see them if they come up. And so we tried to figure out, all right, where do we do this in our house? And so we just said, you know what? We are a church that wants to be about having coffee together around a fire, fireside. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're at our kitchen table. And I know many of you are in your living rooms, your kitchens, um, doing whatever you guys are doing at home. But thank you for joining us. And we got through week one of this isolation. And as we were going through this week, for me, it reminded me of when we were in isolation with our daughter, Ellie. Um, about two years ago, Ellie had transplants, two transplants for her cancer, neuroblastoma, and we were mandated to be in a 100-day isolation. 
And I remember friends would come visit. It was November and we would have to stay outside and we would have a fire outside. No one was able to connect with Ellie, Emmy, or Blake at the time. Kate and I had minimal connections and just felt very, very similar. But as Kate and I reflected on that time, some of the best moments of that year came during those 100 days. We had Thanksgiving, we, had, uh, we ended with Christmas, we had these great family moments. And so here's my challenge for you guys. And during this time where you're kind of stuck at home, and many of you guys are on the front lines, and, and for that we do applaud you and we are praying for you, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But for those of you who are stuck in the house, don't miss the moments. Don't miss the moments that you have to be with your family. We've been talking about how busy our culture is and just how you know tired we all are. Well, we have some rest. And you can be at home. You know, I, re I remember, you know, with my kids playing board games and we still are playing board games. We got a puzzle out. And these are moments that you will cherish for, for a lifetime. So do not miss the moment. And a couple weeks ago when Kate preached on Jesus feeding the 5,000, there's this huge crowd and Jesus is preaching to them and it, it's getting late and they're getting hungry and the disciples say, we have no food, you know, send these people away. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? And so and during these times, focus on what you have and not what you don't have. And watch that what you have, and maybe it's a little, maybe it's a little food left in your fridge, maybe it's not a lot of toilet paper because everyone's hoarded it, but focus on what you have and watch how God will multiply that, multiply that joy, multiply those moments. And so we want to be a church that's looking for what we have, and we want to be a church that's looking for ways to bless other people. And so I remember you know, reading about the early church, and Paul talks about this in Corinthians, and he talks about how he would take these gifts um, from other churches around the Mediterranean and give them to the Jerusalem church, because Jerusalem was suffering a famine. And the church was known in, in history from archaeological digs and from other like historians of the early believers were known for their acts of kindness. And so we want to be that church. We want to have an opportunity for fireside in the church to shine during this moment. And so Kate's going to share a little bit about what we are actually doing as a church. Yeah, so um, many of you may already know this, but... Right from the beginning at Fireside, we had just made a commitment to designate, to earmark 10% of every dollar that's given um, that can be mobilized out into our community. And so, so thankful, thankfully for your giving and just what the patterns that we have set up, we're ready. And we have a team, um, we call them the, our generosity team, and um, they're kind of running point to lead our church in this way, but we've been in, in regular communication just looking at needs and being ready. And so we have funds earmarked. We're ready to kind of launch things when we need to. And um, we just want to invite you to be a part of that. We want you to know, for one, as, as a part of Fireside, you are already part of this. Um, and then two, if you have um, just an awareness of needs, if you have ideas for ways that we can serve, that ways we can help bring relief to the suffering around us, um, we just would love for you to email us at info at firesidechurch.org. Um, send your ideas, send your thoughts. Um, we'd love to just be together as we process how to be best used in this way. And so this past week, we kind of focused on ways that we could encourage people in our church that are on the front lines, nurses, 
um, administrators in hospitals, doctors, people that are, are heading in every day into all of this craziness. And so we've been praying for them. We have been um, looking for ways to encourage them and would just like to continue that momentum. So encourage you to just be a part of um, ideas. And we wanna be um, a church of prayer in this way. And so we're just kind of looking at ways we can, um, you know, pray together and, and keep an eye out for opportunities for there to be some online prayer times this week and into next. Um, there's a button on our Fireside Online page that you can request if you have a prayer request or you know of someone that needs prayer. We just want to make sure that we are praying together mm -hmm. even as we are not together. Again, this is a way that we can still be the church. Yeah. So we're going to jump into what we felt like God was on our heart to talk about and we are in a, a miracle series and how fitting is that i just mm -hmm. read a post from a pastor i follow louis giglio and all it said is we need a miracle mm -hmm. and i believe that our country needs a miracle um, but there are also miracles in your life that maybe you're you've been on your knees and looking for god to provide for you and so we're in the gospel of luke and we're going to actually go back a couple chapters to a story we weren't originally going to talk about, but we just felt that it was very fitting to talk about it during this time. So just imagine, if you will, that this time that we're going through is like a storm. And this spring for Fireside, we had a storm series, and I challenge you guys to go back on our Spotify and our Apple Podcasts and listen to that series because it's very fitting for these times. And so this is about a storm. So Kate's going to read that now. Luke 8. 22 through 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. One of the things that I will always remember about this passage was when our daughter was first diagnosed, um, one of my mentors, one of my professors, sent me an email. And all it said was this, Doesn't it seem like Jesus is asleep in the boat? And all he needed to say was that, and it just meant so much. And during these times, many of us are probably, you know, thinking that same thing. Jesus, where are you? And it feels like he's almost asleep in, in the boat. And we know that Jesus delivers them from this storm, but he doesn't prevent the storm from coming. I mean, don't get me wrong. They were in danger. They were getting wet. The boat was about to crumble. So they had every right to fear in that moment. So they thought. And so they didn't go to Jesus for help. They go to Jesus with a statement. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? They didn't say, Jesus, do something. They say, we're drowning. Why are you sleeping? And so what we want to do is, as a church, we want to try to change our focus. Instead of focusing on the fears, we want to focus on faith. Because when we focus on faith, we'll see a bigger picture. And focusing on faith will not prevent us from getting wet, will not prevent us from being in the storm, but it will give us a better perspective. In fact, if you look further, 
It's God who takes them to the storm. In the very beginning, Jesus is the one who says, let us go over to the other side of the lake. It's his idea. So he takes them to the place where they are fearful. Which reminds me of another story that I want to parallel. And this is when the Israelites first left Egypt. They were enslaved as slaves for the Egyptians for hundreds of years. And finally, God, you know, calls Moses to lead his people. And he said, I've heard their cry. Now is the time for their freedom. And after all these plagues and after all these meetings with Pharaoh, Pharaoh finally decides to let Moses take his people out into the desert. And they are led by a cloud during the day and a fire at night. And this is one of the reasons why we're called fireside. Because so many times God is representative of fire in the Bible. And if God is fire, we want to be as close to that. So we want to be fireside. And what we read in Exodus 13, and I'm going to pop it up here. There, 13, verse 17, 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road, road toward the Red Sea. Again, we see God led them to this place where they felt like it was impossible to go any further. He led them to the Red Sea, which was this impossible pass. And then he says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, and this is in Exodus 14, chapter 2. Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Piharatha between Megale and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think that Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am Lord. So the Israelites did this. And what they are doing is they are camping in fear. I believe many of us right now feel like we're camping in fear. On one side, we have the Red Sea, which seems impossible to get through. And then the other side, we have these fears of enslavement. They had these Egyptians that were in pursuit of them. And they're stuck between these two things. Have you ever, have you ever been camping, like physically camping out in the woods, and then woke up one day and realized that you'd camped in the wrong place? I remember one day camping and we camped on a low level time and we didn't know that rain was going to come. And that morning we woke up and we were literally swimming. Have you been there? Kate and I were just talking about, you know, our trips to Kenya that we would stay in these like luxury tents and we would go on safari and we would see like lions and elephants and hippos, these animals that were, were pretty dangerous. And then all of a sudden we would pull up to our tent and I realized there's no fence between what we just saw and where we're camping. And that night where you're hearing all these animals and you realize we are camped in a place of danger. You know, Kate was talking about when she was in high school, she was camping in a national park in Kenya. And Kate, why don't you tell the story? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about in eighth grade, we were camping and, um, you know, I was in eighth grade. So in middle school, we thought, what? we need to sneak out of our tent in the middle of the night and we're running across and 
and you see these figures off in the distance and we figure out they're hippos and that's like you know a, a known rule you don't separate the hippos from the water you don't want to come in between <laughs> and um, we you know ran screaming into the bus in the middle of the night because we were stuck between these two things and... yeah and I think that this is exactly what's happening is that these guys these Israelites are camped in fear and so in verse 10 as Pharaoh approached the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians to die in the desert. And what they're saying is we would rather cave in to our fears and be enslaved by our fears than be free in the unknown. And I think that some of us feel very similar, that we look at what was and though it's fearful, we almost want to give in to those fear impulses. But Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. So he, he, God says two things. One, be still. And then he says, move on. And I think the stillness comes from a, la a composure. Don't worry. Trust in me. And then he says, well, what are you doing? You need to move on. Faith is an action. And I believe that in this time, so many of us are just trying to let our lives pass by while we wait the storm to pass by. This was a sermon we preached on um, a few months ago. And so don't let your life pass you by while you wait for the storm to pass by. Move on. Watch God do the impossible. Watch God do what you thought was impossible to get through and make a way. God will not only take you to the storm, but he will, make you, will take you through the storm. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. Don't you think it's interesting here that God uses a storm to actually make a passage? The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. I believe maybe God has caused this storm in our lives where we're going through to give a clear passage for people to come to Jesus Christ. I believe that God not only takes us to storms, but he does it to show us that he can take us through storms. And what seemed impossible, God made a way when there was no way. And after that, after they went through, this is what God does. The, the Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire in the cloud of the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. And the water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. And not, does, not only does God take them through the storm, he makes them look back. And what he does is he frees them from their fear. You don't need to fear what has been chasing you. You don't need to fear enslavement. I want you to see with your own eyes what has been pursuing you, I have destroyed. And so if there are fears in your life, I just want you to picture this. Whatever it may be, maybe it's the times, maybe it's financial crisis, maybe it's being healthy and worried about loved ones. I want you to picture whatever that is that you're fearing and then picture the waters of the Red Sea engulfing it and God destroying it. Saying, you don't need to worry about this. I am for you. As we were processing this, you know, we, we were thinking of this passage in Romans 8 mm -hmm. that Paul talks about. So Kate is going to talk about Romans 8 a little bit. So Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption mm. to sonship. And by, t by him we cry, Abba, Father. And just this idea that we, you know, we who are new in Christ, we who um, are children of God, we have been called out of fear. We have been called out of fear into trust. And I don't know about you, but... Um, there are spirals of anxiety and worry that I can just fall into. And, and this time makes us very prone to those moments of wanting to um, become slaves to mm. fear again. And, you know, this passage in Romans, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. So let's not, let's not go back to our old ways, our old patterns of thinking, but remember um, you know, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Or another translation says, of self-control. Those are, those are the things that God has equipped us with for mm. moments like this. Um, and so just remembering that we have been led by the spirit, calling, being called out of fear and into trust. And I, th I believe wholeheartedly that God will get us through this storm. I have no doubt about that. But like physical storms, there is debris and often destruction in the way. And as a church, I believe that we can be a part of mending the pieces and also helping people survive in the midst of it. So please have hope that God will get us through. And we will, you know, shine, that God will be glorified in this. I wish I could tell you how. I wish I could tell you when. And that's where faith comes in. And faith is hard. The other day, we were talking, when Ellie and Emmy and I were doing the online Fireside Kids thing, Emmy asked a question. She's like, what is faith? And so I said, well, it's believing in something that you don't see and trusting, you know, that God is going to do, you know, you know um, believing in what you don't see and having hope in that. 
And so we did a trust fall exercise. And so we said, Emmy, stand up. And I got her on a chair and I said, fall backwards and, and I'll catch you. She could not do it. And I'm like, see, Emmy, you don't have any faith in dad that I'm going to catch you. I'm right here. You know, even though you can't see me right now and you can't feel me, I am right here. And so finally, Emmy, Ellie stands up as a big sister who wanted to outdo her sister. So well, watch me do it. And she does it perfectly. And then the next time, Emmy says, okay, I can do it. And she does it perfectly. I said, Emmy, good job. She's like, well, I could see you in the reflection of the TV. <laughs> I knew you were there. But that's what fear is, is falling backwards in the arms of Jesus when, when and trusting that he will be there to catch you. And what you see in both of these stories with the disciples on the boat and the Israelites, it starts off with a lot of fear. The disciples are fear that they're going to drown. They are fear that their boat's going to collapse. The Israelites are fear that they're going to get enslaved again, that they're going to get tortured, or they're going to drown in the Red Sea. And as God works this miracle in both of them, calming the storm, separating the Red Sea, there's a switch. In Exodus, it says, When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. And then in Luke 8, 25, the disciples in the boat. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. We need to shift our fear. Instead of fearing the things of the world, we need to fear the Lord. And it's a different kind of fear. Uh, Kate and I were talking about what does it look like to, to fear the Lord? It's this reverence. It's this awe. You know, when angels would come to present themselves to like Mary and other people, the first thing they would say is do not be afraid because the power of the Lord is so big that there is this fearfulness. It's kind of like the fear that you have with your father growing up. You love your dad, you respect him, but there's just a little tinge of fear because he's just so powerful and an authority figure. I guess another way of saying it is instead of worry, let's worship. Instead of worrying about the things of the world, let's worship our God, who we know is in control of the world. And let's have our hope anchored in that. And I think in that shift from, from worry to worship, um, we're really shifting where we are placing our hope. And this week, I just found myself, I've, I've been trying to limit the number of times I check the news just <laughs> out of, you know, <laughs> being wise with my intake of that. And I find myself just scanning through headlines, just trying to find some piece of good news, some, some little shred of like, oh, it's going to be okay, or, or we found this, or we discovered this, and now it's going to get better. And, and I think... Oftentimes, we want to run to the wrong sources of hope. And when we do that, our hope is not, is not secure because that is not where our hope is, is, can lie. And um, in Hebrews 6, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And where our hope is firm and secure is mm. when it is in God, who he is, his goodness, his power, his purpose, his kingdom, those, those are the places that our hope is secure. And when we can shift from 
worry to worship, we are shifting, we are placing our hope in a place that can't be mm. shaken. And, and I need to, to continually remind myself of that, that when I want to put my hope somewhere else, um, to remember where mm. our hope is most secure. It reminds me of King David, who was the second king of Israel before Jesus, of these Israelites, like God's people. And towards the end of his life, they were being attacked as they were often being attacked. And so David, for the first time in his kingship, says, I want to count my men. And the prophet comes to him and he says, what are you doing? What are you putting your hope in? You're putting the hope in the world of, uh, in, in, in the things of the world? How many soldiers you have? Or are you putting the hope in the fact that you have been chosen by God and you've seen how God has delivered you time and time and time again? And because of that, David was punished. And as we gone through our storms, and I, one of the first things that I posted about Ellie was that idea that I was getting online and I was looking for these quick fix. And I was looking for answers and this shred of hope, whether it be a percentage or whether it be, you know, something that's on the horizon of what would be coming in the medical field. And I remember God telling me, don't count your soldiers. Don't count them. Those are the things of the world. Put your hope in me. And I think the same applies exactly what Kate's saying. You know, we go back and forth every morning. You know, we will say, all right, you know, how many more people are infected? Is it close to us? And you have this way of this fear kind of starting to enslave you and engulf you. And you're, and then we're like, all right, is there a vaccine coming? Is there, um, are we going to be able to... Um, gather again are we going to do another online service and and then all of a sudden you start thinking don't count your soldiers and don't miss the moment you know I, i'm learning a lot about tech stuff that i never thought i would learn in terms of streaming and stuff and um, i'm learning a lot about you know kids and spending time with them and just don't miss the moment and remember even though you feel like god is taking you to the storm he will also bring you through the storm. And let's shift our fear. Instead of worry, let's worship.